everybody, it's your girl Brandy. And it's your boy Russell the Fourth. And welcome back to another episode of the What They Never Told Us podcast. I don't like when you I don't like when you steal my thunder. Steal your thunder every time we come on this show. I just feel like you like you got this very smooth jazz when we come into the pod. And I feel like it just starts off with, hello, everybody. It's That's Brandy. the way I talk. <laughs> you <laughs> I don't, don't talk like that. that. No. I don't know what you want me to do. You don't talk like that. Michael! What, that's <laughs> when I'm trying to get something across. Uh-uh, you ain't. It's, it's very brash. Yeah, I've never seen that side of me. <laughs> He's lying. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode. How you doing? We just got through the holidays. So, um... I know this is a topic that everybody covers, but since it's after Thanksgiving and I feel like I stretched the limit, I want to know your opinion on leftovers. What's the appropriate time frame for leftovers? Personally, now in your or grown age. For me or yes. for what I think is acceptable for the world? No, you can't tell Because I'm a little different. Do. You can't tell nobody else what to do. No, there's some you. like health things <laughs> I think we can all agree on. Like that's just not good for, for anybody. Yeah. For me specifically, I'm not going past Sunday. If, so if Thanksgiving's I, on Thursday. Yeah. Leftovers on Friday is a must. I'm eating leftovers the entire day Friday. Like for every meal Breakfast, I'm eating leftovers. Okay. I, right? I support that. So Saturday, I'm still going to eat leftovers. Not for the whole day. But what it like is that your dinner? It's my dinner. My lunch is going to be something to give me a little break. Okay. You know, a grilled cheese or something. Like mix it up a little bit. Um, and Sunday, I mean, Saturday. No, that night, was Saturday. Saturday night, I'm going to do Thanksgiving leftovers. Okay. By Sunday, I'm done with the leftovers. I'm good. It's so you over. don't eat leftovers on Sunday? No, it's over with. That goes for dessert, too? No. No, that's only for the... <laughs> I'm glad you asked this nuance, okay? <laughs> yes, I'm only speaking about the meats and the sides, okay? Okay. The desserts are going until they're gone. Yes, I okay. fully support that. Yeah, I'm with you. So <laughs> I think I agree with everything that you said. Um, the only exception that I have, and you probably wouldn't hit this because you don't eat like cold salads and stuff, mm. but potato salad, Watergate salad, marshmallow fluff, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. jello salad, mm. coleslaw, all that. That, okay. that stops on Friday. That stops on Friday? That stops on Friday. Like, Friday? I eat it for leftovers. But that I'm not going past. Now, why not, is is it a I'm not is it health <laughs> or is it just that specific type of food? Just does, you can't do that much. I think of it's it. a little bit of both. Like okay. I'm not like day old coleslaw. Okay, cool. Day old potato salad. All right, I get that. But like two day old potato salad. But I just feel like I feel a way about it. I'm I feel sorry. Like, now here's the thing. Okay, and I'm we're listening. just talking about health benefit. Or like what's, you know, well-preserved. It's always cold. So when you think about it, they're probably the most well-preserved versus the Maybe. stuff that you heating up, cooling down, heating up, cooling. Well, I'm not, I, you know, the leftovers stay cold. I just heat up. They I just don't, heat though. up my portion. Well, this time I left stuff out because I'm like, look, I, I, put it all- in the, I put it in the refrigerator on yeah, Thursday night. I on look. Friday afternoon for lunch, I laid everything out. Let me say this, man. No, that ain't. (laughs) Look, let me tell you this major pain speech that she had with the kids. (laughs) You wasn't even there. How you gonna tell the story? The playback, the way you explained it to me was hilarious. Tell them. You tell them. So, the kids were all at the island, and I said, all right, we gonna answer all the questions for today right now. I asked them, I said, what's for lunch? They said, Leftovers. leftovers. I said, what's for dinner? They said, leftovers. leftovers. All right. So don't nobody ask me she, what we eat and what's for lunch. What's for look, dinner? It's and then leftovers. proceeded to lay out all the food. I laid out all the food. On the counter and left it there. Like, whenever you hungry, come scoop out of this. There you go. Yo. <laughs> so from about noon to six o'clock, <sighs> the food was out. Y'all was, eat whenever, and they ate it. They was just going back and forth. It was refreshing to not hear not one. What are we eating? What's for now? I'm it hungry. Worked. There's Nothing. too many of y'all. Nah, just and go. if you don't want that, there's always noodles. I love it. It was it was a beautiful day. Friday was stress free. Yeah, I do have to say though, I'm throwing most of the desserts away today. It's cool. It's cool because I'm trying to get back on my thug fizzle anyway tomorrow. If y'all don't know, I'm, I'm trying to watch my figure and I'm going to let y'all know so y'all can be on my accountability partners, okay? I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to get back on my health kick, okay? So I know everybody does this towards the end of the year, but... It's usually at the beginning of the year, actually. Support that. I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> I ain't waiting till New Year's. You wait till the holiday season to try to watch your weight. Look here. <laughs> 
No, I just started feeling it. I started feeling yeah. like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. Okay. I don't feel good. Yeah. So, yes, holidays were good. I want to ask you, so in your opinion, how did how did Thanksgiving go? I know this was our first official. We're married, a blended family. Am I going to be able to be completely honest? Be or complete. do you want me to be like PC? Don't lie to me. Be 100% honest. <laughs> I like sitting down, but when we went to your family house, I got on my nerves and... No, I would never <laughs> say that. <laughs> no, so I liked the flow of things. I like the idea, right, yeah. of we stay at home, we eat dinner, everything gets settled. Now we're just sitting around looking at each other to go now and spend time with your family. I love that. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> However. Yeah. We have to manage the kids' expectations in there because hearing when can we go over was a little irritating. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't just yours. It was mine, too. And then when we got there, I feel like it was we may have went there more for the kids because, like, they played and they had a great time. You left me at the table with your mom and uh, a friend, well, family, too, cousin, and then you sat on the couch on your phone. It's when you get so many black people in one area, the temperature goes up significantly. <laughs> and I do think we need to, you know, plan this out a little bit. I think we need to go over there a little earlier. Okay. Right. Because we came late. We stayed a lot later. Everybody got the itis. By they the time we get nothing. there, they barely want to be social. They full. <laughs> they tired. People fall asleep. So maybe we need to get there a little bit earlier. Just a little year. bit. Okay. Yep. I, could, I could work on that. Because we ate dinner at like three. Yeah, we so, were done eating, so we just like shouldn't that point. We could have went over there. But yeah. Yeah, I was like, hmm. So I texted you, like, I'm hot and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I was I was it. already about to pass out from heat exhaustion. <laughs> I was sitting on the couch like, okay, Lord, I can't do this. I tried to be social. It just didn't work. So I don't know. If it, it, maybe it's our job to be like the entertainment or to be the facilitator of, you know what I'm saying? Hey, y'all, because now we're coming in with the fresh energy. They a little, they a little Who scared. had fresh energy? I had fresh energy. I did. I walked in there because last in there tired. year we played games, right? So that's, yeah. I kind of had my expectation set that, okay, this is going to be the fun part of the evening. Earlier for that. And I love your mom. And we sat and we had a great conversation, yeah. but I'm looking at you on the couch like. Well, next year, so. For those of y'all don't know, we I think we worked out to where we're gonna do every other Thanksgiving with the kids, right? So your kids went with dad, mm-hmm. and next year Thanksgiving they're going with their mom. So you know, be a little less, you know, pressure to stay and all that stuff. Yeah, and we'll definitely have more energy when we go over there as well. Okay, yeah, we'll so work, we'll work that out. <laughs> absolutely, but Thanksgiving first, blended family Thanksgiving, we good. Yeah, it was good. Awesome, was good, good stuff. Obviously, we hope your holiday was dope as well. Hope you guys had an amazing meal. Hope your family as well. All that good stuff because the family unit is so important. That's what our brand is all about. Absolutely. And uh, last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about like independence in the relationship, whether that exists or not, and the strong black woman. Um, And I had a, not an epiphany, but I guess a question. Mm -hmm. So growing up, what was your idea what what did you envision when you heard like black woman black man what were those what did that look like to you like what did you think about black women and black men did you have like a picture of a strong family unit well i only i only could gather what i got from my home and from television okay right so my parents did a good job of filtering what i watch so between um my dad uncle phil and carl winslow (laughs) uh my idea and bill and uh heathcliff uh cosby um my impression of you know the black man was funny I thought that my dad was real goofy. So in my mind, that's what the cool dad was. Mm -hmm. He was funny. He was, you know, um, a sense of like, you know, I always, this is going to sound so cheesy, but this is really (laughs) what I grew up in. When I swear, you know, at the end of Family Matters episodes, Mm -hmm. when um, Uncle, not Uncle Phil, but Carl Winslow would have like the talk with Eddie and them and the music came on. I swear to you, that was my childhood. Like my dad, <laughs> I would get dream. into it. I'd have it. Wait till your dad gets home. That's what I can't. That's when he came home. That's what I had. Let me tell you, son. You know I love you, right, dude? I swear you would hear music in the background. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so that's my, that was my idea of the black man. He was uh, strong, but he was also the life of the party, and he also was um, counsel. He was wise counsel. He was 
a voice, the voice that kind of like was the cap on, you know, this is how we end things. Like, all right, I know you went got to with your mom. You mad because she did this or whatever. But this is how this is the final say on the matter. That's so funny because that is that's you like it's funny how, you know, your idea of something yeah. kind of shaped what you envision or what you play out in yeah. your adulthood. That's totally you. And on um, the flip. So the yeah. women. Yeah. Like it was Harriet, Aunt Viv <laughs> and my mom. And them was all strong black women. Like, like that's what was that was my idea. Like uh I I never experienced the docile like uh, well let me not say anything because your father's upset no it was very much so hold on you know like mm-hmm. that was my idea I've always experienced and even all the women in my family are like that all my aunts my grandmother on my mother's side um, my dad's size is a little bit different okay. you know she's very meek and really oh yeah very I, you've talked to my yeah, grandma before. it didn't seem like that at she's all she's very soft-spoken okay, now yes, she's gonna yes. say what she's got to say okay but my granddad is the military like mm. you know he used to be very i'll cut you out in a second she's just now let's just calm down okay but uh, aside from that everybody else is like thugs and <laughs> it's, it's very fitting it is. I, 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 it's kind of scary that I've kind of created my idea based on TV. But no, it was it it checked out because that's what I saw in my house, though. Yeah, yeah, true, very absolutely. True. So flip side, yeah, is I my perception literally of a black man was no good, right? Mm. I don't know if my mom intentionally like put down most of the men. That were in our family, but somehow, some way, there would be a negative. Like I would think, such and such is just the greatest. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out, Uncle. Yeah. But I inherently hear how uh, he, he wasn't. Yeah. My grandfather. Um. I grew up. He was my superhero. You know. He kind of stepped in when my dad was gone and filled in that role. But as I got older, I started to learn more and more about some of the things that he put my grandmother through that just mm. weren't weren't who I knew him to be, right? Yeah. My dad, of course, wasn't around. So I only knew what I heard about mm. him. And when I did get snippets of him in my life, like he would pop in every so often and it'd be like, oh, he's great. But then he disappeared and I'd be like, mm, they were right. Dag mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> nabbit. Yeah. Build me up just to let me down. Um, so I didn't really have a great picture of Men in general, but because this is our culture, black men, yeah, you know, they were unreliable. They are not dependable. They're not trustworthy. And chances are they're probably going to leave. I didn't have that turnaround until maybe I would say my stepdad. But by the time my stepdad got there, my mom dated him for a long time, right? I didn't have no idea he existed. And then he was there. He was like, oh, this is my boyfriend, you know. So I was like. Whoa. (laughs) Excuse me. Who is this? You're just going to be another one to X, Y, and Z. So I don't want to get close to you. I don't want to have a relationship with you. I remember my mom coming to me and saying, he wants to know why every time he comes over, you just go in your room. Mm. And it was like, I don't know this man and I don't want to know this man. Mm. I was at an age where I think it was a year or two before I left to go to school. So to me, I didn't have anything to invest in this relationship. That's yeah. your boyfriend. Great for you. How you old know, were you again? I was, I think when he started, when I knew that he existed, I was probably like 16. And I think that's around the time when I remember you mentioning yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, I was probably like 16 and I, it was, it wasn't like, Hey, he's my boyfriend. He's around. I just heard this name. Right. Yeah. And then he bought me something. And I was like, oh, that's super weird. Like, who's this dude? <laughs> but I didn't realize that he was the first consistent man until he became the first consistent man. And it wasn't until I went off to college, I got pregnant. I come back and I'm living on my own and I need something. Right. Yeah. And my mom's like, well, I'm going to talk to him. And I'm like, well, why would you? And he came through for me. Wow. And it was like, like, why would you do that? Like, wow. You know, I had been mean to you for so long. And so that kind of tried, 
started to change the narrative for me. Yeah. Like, oh, he might be somebody that I can depend on, but I still was really iffy. So I still kept him at arm's length. Now I can say that that is the first consistent male figure outside of my grandfather that I've had. That's like somebody who had no connection to me, didn't owe me anything. Yeah. Just chose to be kind and loving to me. All right. So let me ask you this. So with, with that being like our, origin story mm-hmm. um our environment that we grew up in how did that shape your uh choices in um romantic interests yeah i mean for for a very long time i dated men who I didn't need to rely on. Yeah. If that makes sense. I didn't depend on them for shelter. I didn't depend on them for money. I didn't depend on them really much for a lot of affection. It was just like we had this very superficial relationship that wasn't emotionally tied. We had sex. We hung out. Yeah. You know, type of thing. Um, it wasn't until I got married the first time that I was started to look deeper mm-hmm. for that, but I wasn't in a place mentally to accept a man to try to love me. And I think that the person that I chose had his own issues. And so our dynamic worked in the fact that you can still do everything and I don't really have to be that reliable to you, but I'm making a commitment to marry you. For sure. Based off just this relationship that we built. I got you. I think um, for me, um, and it's interesting because I had issues seeing how men like me and my father Mm -hmm. balanced that um, power dynamic, for lack of a better term, because it's not about power, but um, just that respect factor Mm -hmm. between the two. My mother and father's relationship, um, although they stayed together, was very argumentative. Mm -hmm. And growing up in that environment, for whatever reason, I think I, I was aware enough to where I assessed, I don't want this. Yes. And I think you're, I remember you telling me yeah. that you, your dad had that conversation with you. Like, yeah, I didn't want to say that. On oh, here. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> we here now. My bad. <laughs> uh, we here now. But yeah, my, I mean, my dad, um, and it's wild because I, I, it wasn't weird to me then, but when I think back now, I'd be like, eh, what? I have a conversation with my son at mm-hmm. 17 about this. Mm-hmm. But he was having those conversations with me. What do you like in a woman? What do you want in a woman? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, hey, look, I love your mom, <laughs> but you need to be aware um, of this or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, what he was trying to communicate with me about was just, hey, people like you and me were sensitive, were in touch with our emotions. He was like, you've always seen your father cry. I've always been affectionate to you. Mm-hmm. And it's not just your mother that's nurturing to you. It's also me. Mm-hmm. You sit on my lap and I hug you and hold you just like your mother does. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. Most men don't do that. So with you being like this, like me, you need to be aware that most people are going to see these attributes and attribute that to weakness. Because most people don't understand emotions. You know, like, that's conversations that I'm having when, when I'm in high school. Yeah. I remember going through the McDonald's drive-thru after you picked me up from basketball practice. Um, So pretty much he was like, somebody like your mom, you might not be able to handle something. <laughs> right? Now, here's the crazy thing. I remember, and this is, wow, wow, God, I hear you. This is literally... Uh, bringing this back to my forefront at the time this is right around the time when I'm in the middle of a love triangle mm. <laughs> between my wife Brandy and my girlfriend at the time who was a young lady I was seeing this is in high school y'all this is in high school <laughs> I'm thank you for preface because like oh lord, is I thought this was good folk. I was listening. To. This is in high school, right? And we've told the story before, but I won't go into it. But essentially, um, me and Brandy dated on and off since middle school, right? Mm-hmm. And we always found our way back to each other, except for this one time when I ended up in a serious relationship with another young lady. As serious as you can be in high school, <laughs> um, but I remember trying to do the math in my head of how different you 
and my girlfriend were at the time, mm-hmm. right? Polar you, opposites. Yeah, you're very much so like my mother. Mm-hmm. And it scared me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so even though the things about you and who you were, I think connected with me and resonated with me so much, it still scared me a bit. And I think because of that environment that I grew up in, I ended up gravitating to women who were polar opposites of my mother. Mm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, And those didn't work, Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously. But it's just interesting how um, your environment either drives you to what you desire or it pushes you away from something you might desire. But in your mind, you assess like, dang, I don't know if this will work. You know what I mean? I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I remember in the, when we first when we got back together after being apart for twenty something years. This as adults, yes. Okay, um, that's why I said after twenty something years. <laughs> you don't got to do that. Right. You don't have to make me feel stupid. I- <laughs> <laughs> like you can just cruise past it. You don't got to point it out. I realized that a lot of the things because you you used to remind me in the beginning, like you were so mean. You're so different now because you were so mean. You were so evil. No, you you remind you reminded me yeah. of all the ways that I didn't treat you right back then. Yeah. And I realized that I was trying to set you up to disappoint me. Like I wanted mm. to do things to make you be like, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Or, you know, talk bad about me or whatever. The things that I would, had associated even at 16, 17, what a man does, I tried to associate that with you. I tried to pull those things out of you so you could be what I expected from you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And you didn't do that. Yeah. And I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know how to handle somebody who was showing me something completely different than what I had seen because I felt like if I trusted you, even though when I'm pushing you in these scenarios, you won't, you won't, if I trusted you, that's scary. That's dangerous. Like at 16, I don't want to give my heart to a boy when my heart has been broken by all the men in my life. Yeah. So it was very revelatory for me in the beginning that like I had to step outside of everything I knew a man to be in order to receive you in my life. And that was really difficult. Yeah, that's hard for grown-ups to do, let alone, you know, a 16, 15-year-old. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I'm speaking as an adult. When we, yeah. like, the praying you away, the all that stuff, that was because I didn't know how to create space for a man like you in my life. I know how to deal with men who are faulty and disappointing and lazy and mm-hmm. <laughs> all those things. But somebody who's reliable and dependable and trustworthy, I I didn't know how to make space for you in my life. So, well, let's stay there for a minute because honestly, like speaking on our conversation that we had last week or, you know, last mm-hmm. episode, uh, we kind of talked about this kind of tension that exists um, between men and women. Um, and I think where we were in the episode, we were really honing in on uh, a cultural dynamic mm-hmm. that exists in the African-American uh, people um, where there has been this breakdown of the family unit that spanned across generations of black families. Right. Mm-hmm. So how did you overcome that? You know what I mean? Cause I remember being in marriage counseling and I was like, we were dealing with affection. Right. And, it was the first time I heard you say it and it put me off. I still think about it sometimes, but you said, of but you were just like, it's just weird to me. And I said, what? Like you coming in the door, like coming up on me, trying to hug me. It's weird to me. And I was like, I remember my initial feeling, like the instant feeling was just almost offense. Like, yeah. why would you, why is this weird to you? <laughs> right? Like it worried me. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is something that's mad important to me. And it's weird to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when you elaborated, you remember what you said? If you don't, I do. I mean, <laughs> I, I can tell you now what I feel, but I don't know what I said in marriage counseling. But you were like, I've just never experienced yes, that. Like, so I've never had a male who was affectionate to me outside of sex. And, physically affectionate. Yes. And yeah. moreover than that, I didn't see that. Yeah. Right. 
the there were a few people who I knew growing up who were married. Yeah. My aunt was married for a time and she was in an abusive relationship. So the only really interaction that I saw that was physical and violent. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, if she was in relationships when I was growing up, <laughs> I did not know about it. Like, did a good job of like, she was hocus pocus with her stuff. If like, I ain't serious <laughs> about you, you ain't going to see these kids and they're not going to see you. I'm here for it. And then my grandparents who I can remember the first time in my life that I saw them kiss. My grandfather had like a, I don't even know if it, I mean, it might've been like his 70th birthday party or 75th uh-huh. or something. And they had it at this, this place and it was a surprise to him or my grandma. I can't remember. Whatever. It was a surprise party. One of the person who was surprised came in and my grandfather grabbed my grandmother and French kissed her. And I was like, what the f- is happening? <laughs> Number one, it was my grandparents. Yeah, my so mind, it was I, like, Ugh. first of all, I thought it was gonna be a peck, and I thought you were gonna be like, I was like, oh, no, he and my grandpa. This is my grandpa didn't have teeth. Go ahead, grandpa. So, <laughs> it was just like it was disgusting. Yes, sir. But they had been married for I can't even tell you forty something years. And you hadn't seen any. And affection. I hadn't seen any affection in my entire life and between the first those time two. And the first time I said was a French kiss, and I was like. Oh. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> so completely turn me off on PDA, wow. number one. And then to see a dynamic that I had never seen before. And mind you, never saw again. My grandfather died in his house. Wow. And I saw my grandma care for him. But not yes, physical affection. Not an expression of love. And I'm sure she's like me and acts yeah. of service was definitely her love language. Yeah. But to see a man and a woman interact in a loving manner, showing physical affection to one another, I had not seen that growing up. Yeah. At all. So when you think about that, just on that alone, Mm -hmm. like what you've experienced or what we've experienced in our personal dynamic on the affection side Mm -hmm. has played out in so many other areas among so many other men and women in a relationship dynamic, whether it's affection whether it's leadership, whether it's um, just accepting the fact that you're here and you're going to stay here and I don't have to subconsciously try to push you away, mm-hmm. which is dangerous because a lot of people don't even know they're doing that. Yeah. Right. You, you're unaware that there's a subconscious idea that you're making exist in reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it plays out in so many relationship dynamics. Right. This is why, and I said in our, on our live, why last episode was my favorite mm. um, that we've ever done because it's such a necessary conversation. I would say this is as this is as well because there's so much that has to be unpacked, right? So I want to know for you specifically, how did you overcome that specific barrier with the physical affection? Had you seen it? Like, had you been? Uh, close up on a couple prior to us reacquainting who did you see who did you get close up on that gave you an idea of what this could look like in a healthy scenario yeah absolutely so divorce is like the worst thing that I think a couple can go through but in some aspects it's like the best thing for you going into a new relationship because it gives you a chance to evaluate how you do relationships because inevitably whether it's your partner told you the exact reason you got you got a divorce or you were like me and you were trying to figure it out on your own you walk through what happened in your marriage almost on a daily basis when you get divorced so that was step number one for me I handled my first marriage the same way I had handled all my relationships in the past. So when I was having a retrospective look at that, I'm like, okay, I could see how that's not appealing. I could see. So I had an awareness now of the things that I did in my marriage that caused it to fall apart. Mm. And then I'm now in church and I'm in a church. God is so good. Cause I'm in a church with a pastor who has been divorced. So he can reach me from a place that nobody else, especially spiritually, was able to reach me yeah. because he was living it. And the way that he loved his wife, 
the way that he expressed the second chance, I had heard nobody else express that ever in life, how he valued her because he knew that God had given him a second chance at love and how he was determined to not let the things that made that fail the first time happen again. Mm. So he intentionally loved this woman from a space that I had not seen. And I think because that relationship was modeled at the head of the church, every marriage in that church was reflective of that, whether it was like they, they recognized themselves. So they came or because he set such a great standard or they, I should say they set such a great standard that all the other couples seemed to follow, but they were all, of course I'm on the outside looking in, but seemingly functional relationships, not perfect, but people who were committed to loving each other in season and out of season. And I had never seen that. And when I got through all the muck and the dust, I was like, if I do it again, that's what I want. That's dope. So, um, that is a great visual, right? That's a good thing to see because it kind of plants a seed in you of like, okay, this is possible. possible. Um, and it kind of undoes some of the learned uh, facts that you had, right? Because mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, right, like up until that point, aside from your stepfather who um, played a role, the truth of the matter is that most of the men in your life mm-hmm. hadn't left the greatest example of what a loving husband looks like absolutely you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that planted a good seed so now walk me through i feel like i'm being interviewed yes (laughs) (laughs) walk me through um just our process right we're dating we're getting to know each other we're dealing with some of our life stuff from before us Mm -hmm. play out in front of us how do you work through that it was i'm not gonna lie to you it was hard But I think one of the things that drove me is changing your perception of me. Because Mm. like I said, I did, and it didn't necessarily bother me, um, but it kind of made me feel bad that I got a lot of, you used to be, you're, you, I remember when, you did this, you did that back then. <laughs> My it acute memory me, of the yeah, things you it, did. Yeah, and I had completely white, like, oh, I did that. I can't believe I did that. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I wanted you to know that I wasn't that person. Mm. And to show you that I wasn't that person, I had to be somebody that I had never been. Um, and in that process of trying to show you that, like, internally, I feel different. I wasn't really sure how to act that out. And so I just did the best that I could. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really a motivational factor to be like, look, I'm going to be intentional with loving this man because I want one to show him that I have changed to show him that I can love him in a way that he needs to be loved. And that like we because I also knew where you came from with your mom and the image that she has in your household the role that she plays in the relationship that your parents have to show you that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, when two people have an issue that they need to deal with, it can come out and manifest itself in many different ways. And that, that characteristic that you maybe have been running from can really benefit you. It did. This was crazy about it. Like when I think about uh, the things in my life that, really drive me and propel me are all things that would not have been developed. You know what I mean? Had mm-hmm. not been for, you know what I mean? Having a strong black woman in my life. So yeah. um, there's a reason why I'm attracted to it. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I think it's just important to know that just because you see something play out with two people, doesn't mean that it has to play out with everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they specifically throughout their life, had a certain relationship dynamic that was specific to them. Mm-hmm. And just because two people might have a similar nature doesn't mean that it has to go like that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I just had to learn that. But if I'm being honest with you, I ran away from that for <laughs> a while. But there's some tension there because like 
yeah, you're trying to mm-hmm. show me this, mm-hmm. that you're not this Evil. version of yourself anymore. <laughs> Person, yeah. But some of the things and the experience that you live through is still there. Absolutely. Right? So like you're not this person anymore, but the experiences that created who you were back then, they still exist. Like you haven't hundred percent work. So how do you work through that? I mean, I, I had to take a I had to take a leap. Yeah. Like I I couldn't be afraid to be the first. Yeah. Right. I think that generational patterns and habits or curses as we sometimes cause call, call them make you feel like you have no other option but to be what you've always seen. Yeah. Um, I had, when I started to get back in church, I really had a feeling that I could be a game changer for my family. And I know that's a really bold statement, but in my, in my soul, I felt like if I can start now by changing the way that we love, the way that we communicate, the way that we show affection, just all these things that, I could be a game changer and I could be the gateway to a new life for our bloodline. And that started with the way I love myself and then the way I chose to love you. And yes, it's, it's still hard every single day. I told you that I still deal with feelings that one day something better in your eyes is going to come along and you might decide that this isn't what you want anymore. It's something that I have to fight every single day just mm-hmm. because of the things that I've been through. Yeah. However, I know that if I do my absolute best to love you, that if that ever does happen, I'm not now going to think that it's because of who I am. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, I know now that doing my best to love you is doing myself a service just as much as it is you. And I don't want to be that person that I've been. And I think it's just making a conscious effort to say, you know what? I don't want to be that no more. I know that's toxic. I recognize how that destroys relationships. I recognize how that doesn't serve me. And I don't want to be that. Yeah. And so every day I make a conscious choice not to be that. That's good. There's something else you did that I remember specifically Tell and me about it. I don't think I um at the time it was as significant to me. Mm-hmm. It was significant, but not <laughs> pertaining to this. Um, but I remember um you were listening to this sermon series, Lord help me. Mike Todd, mm-hmm. uh Forgiveness You. Oh, yeah. Right. And you're like, yo, this is a dope little sermon series. Like, oh, that's dope. That's what's up, babe. But then I remember specifically calling you during the day and you were like, I'm going to call you back. I'm listening to forgiveness you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it was like a day or something after that um, where you were talking to me about how specifically it was resonating with you and how you were applying it <coughs> to your life and um a relationship relationships that you had where you feel like there was still some unforgiveness that was present. Right. So it was this idea of you actively resolving and resolving a strong, but you weren't running from past things that had happened. You were running from past issues. You were like, okay, you know what? God, I hear you. Like, I, I don't, I'm hearing this message and I could just say, oh, this is a dope sermon. Mm-hmm. But you were tuned in and tapped in enough to where so you were like, quiet. oh, nah, I know what. He's talking I, to me. He's talking to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He all in my business, so let me get myself in order. And the crazy thing is what we go through those things and we think it's about us, but God sees so far ahead. And he's like, you know, I need, I need you to see this now because you don't know where you're going to be at next year. You mm-hmm. don't see that you about to get married next yeah, year. I absolutely. see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you don't see how, if we don't deal with this, how it's going to affect this in the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just crazy how he orchestrates those things. Um, I feel like I'm telling your story. This is, no, it's fine. Cause I told you, I feel like I'm in an interview right now. <laughs> All right. You need to switch it now because <laughs> switch it. Talk to me about my past and my, my things, you know? Well, I, I guess the biggest question that I have would be, you made a conscious effort, right, to 
maybe unconscious, but decided to date a certain caliber of women. Yeah. I am not that. Like by any <laughs> by any stretch of the mean. Nope. I don't think that there's any of your exes that I can look at and be like, okay, you know, he likes women like me. I, I don't see it. So when it came to who I am just at the core, you know, now I'm this lovey dubby Christian woman, but I'm still feisty. I'm <laughs> hard still I roll. Hard <laughs> I roll. <laughs> why veer from that? Um why veer away from the type of woman that I was dating? Yes. Uh, if I'm being honest with you, that was an observation I made in hindsight. You know, they mm. say hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Uh, so I saw a pattern and I was able to trace that back to my upbringing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things and conversations that had an impact on me. But if I'm being honest with you, if you would ask me this question two years ago, I would have told you I don't have a type. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because um, physically, and a lot of times when we talk about our type, it always goes by physical yes. attributes. But aside from that, they never followed a type mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, now when I look back on it, I could see things personality-wise, yes. um, nature-wise that I see a pattern. But I didn't see that initially. Mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, this is attractive. It just resonated with me. I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I think when it came to you, I didn't have a conscious thought of, you know what? I'm going to give different. this a try. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did notice you were different. And if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> you didn't like it. Well, <laughs> well, who I who I was when me and you were kids was completely different than who I was as a man. Absolutely. And I'd be lying to you if at the beginning of this, I didn't have the thought like, yo, I don't know if this going to work. I know. Cause... You used to remind me all the time. <laughs> I've said that. You used to remind me of who I was. Oh, and it yeah. felt like, yo, he can't see. I don't know. Girl. I don't know. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work because I remember you being feisty. I remember, and you still feisty. Feisty is not the word. I remember you being Close very headstrong, off. not a whole lot of give. And I remember feeling like I gave. I had to give a lot. Like, she's not going to be in, so I got to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Full pursuit. Mm -hmm. Um, And you were so good at it because you made me feel like I wasn't chasing you, but I definitely was. You definitely were. Oh, my God. Your (laughs) mastermind is crazy. (laughs) Um, So I don't think I had that initial thought. I just knew um, that. Number one, I discovered early that the connection that we had as kids was still very much present. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It didn't take long for us to kind of tie back into this like young love feeling. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I feel like I'm in, you know what I'm saying, seventh mm-hmm. grade again. Um, and aside from what I felt emotionally, um, there were things that I was experiencing spiritually that had a far greater impact on what I was feeling emotionally. And that's different for me because yeah. I'm mostly emotion driven, mm-hmm. but I was experiencing something spiritually um, in our relationship early on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I ain't talked to nobody about church. I hadn't been talking about, you know, what do you think about God? What do you think about church? Cause you filling me out. You trying to see yeah. right, before this go sure any further, you, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm talking to you. I'm a church boy. I've been in church all my life. So I know the lingo, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? So I'm talking to you and um, I'm trying to show you like, you know, no, I, I love God. Like I'm, you know, I come from that. Um, like really? Why don't you go to church? <laughs> but there was something there that resonated with me and made me like really want to find him again by him, who I was, my calling it kind of make it kind of shook me up a little bit. It was mm-hmm. like, yo, locate yourself, GPS. Where are you at? And when I saw where I was at, and I saw how far I was from where I used to be, it really messed me up. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what had a far greater impact. Now on top of that, as I'm getting to know you, you do seem very different. I felt like you pump faked me a little bit because you was being very like, um, what's the word? Docile. Not loving. Not, yeah, yeah, you, I know that'll never a lot be of things. to describe me. I tried it. You've been a lot of things, but docile's not one of them. 
<laughs> no, but, never be a word anybody uses to describe nah, me. Nah, <laughs> I, I, I mess with you a lot. You weren't you weren't faking and pump faking me at all, but um, very much so. I could see a difference. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, that was important to me. I think. I'm a communicator, and as long as I have that piece, then I can function. And we were communicating so well. You know what I mean? Like, talk upon talk upon talk upon talk. So I was like, okay, no, this is good. This is good. There are times where we might have a different view on something, um, but the fact that it didn't turn into a back and forth, you respected what I said, mm. vice versa. It felt good. You know what I mean? You weren't judging me where I was at. Yeah. So, no, nah, I felt good. I'm going to ask you a question that's literally just came straight out of left field. Oh, Lord. And is it hard loving someone with so much relational trauma? Well, I answer truthfully, at times it can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. Um, it's rare that we run into it, but when we do, it's... It's it's more scary than it is hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Tell me what you mean. Don't say you know what I mean. So um I can say what <laughs> look at you. Y'all see what I mean? Um so like for instance, when we were in marriage counseling and you opened up to me and you were like, It's weird to a man to come in the house and want to like Come mm-hmm. on me and be affectionate. That's a scary thought for me, especially with my specific relationship trauma, right? Yeah. Um, where I came from a space where I felt like emotionally I was neglected. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in a space where, all right, here's a set of circumstances that if she doesn't address this, I'm walking right to the same scenario. Mm-hmm. If I get into a marriage where me coming home and wanting to be affectionate is something that can exist. I'm here. I am again, shutting down a part of me that I need. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just a scary thought. Mm-hmm. Now, the blessing is, is that at every turn, you've shown that we're meeting in the middle. You know what I mean? There's compromise on both of our parts to kind of work through this at our own pace. So that's what I mean by it's more scary than hard. It's just the idea of. Oh, what if? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's hard because at every turn we've been able to work through it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's a willingness and a desire on both of our parts to like love each other well. So that's it. And and there are times uh, where it gets difficult where um, there's a, a space where you're maybe you're trying to figure it out or maybe I don't know what it is, but you're just not ready to communicate it. Mm-hmm. So I can feel like something's going on, um, but I'm not sure. So I'm just, there's just like a, you know what I mean? I can tell you're kind of withdrawing inward. And when I'm like, hey, what's going on? You good? I'm fine. I'm good. You tripping. Ain't nothing wrong. You know what I mean? So those are the moments when it can be a little difficult. But um, I can't say we've dealt with anything that was like, Hard. I don't think we really hit our like. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we've only been married for like what seven months. <laughs> if we did hit already, <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. Well, I can tell you though, from the other side, it is sometimes difficult to date someone who it sounds so weird because you're not supposed to have these things, but it is somewhat difficult to date someone who doesn't have as much relational trauma. Like, I think I teased you a lot. Like, Oh, you don't know. You grew up in a two parent household. Like there are just certain things that like, I feel like I've experienced throughout life that don't allow me to have such a positive, maybe outlook on a situation. And it's hard. You you understand that it's irrational, right? But you understand that you also feel it. Yeah. And when you only see it's irrational because you haven't walked through some of the same experiences that I have, I believe that that's where you are perceiving the quietness or the inwardness because mm. it all it almost at times feels like. It's like when you're talking to a friend who has like the picture perfect life and your life is completely trash and you're like, I'm trying to explain to you my struggle, but your friend is like, no, you know, maybe it's like, I just, my a, life experience won't allow me yeah, to see your rich it white friend is like, no, I don't know about racism. You can racism be anything you want to be if you work hard enough. 
that's how it sometimes feels in a relationship with someone who does not have that same trauma. Mm. And I, I, I am not the best at saying, okay, it feels like this. And even though I recognize in my, in my mind that, yo, it feels like this and that's not rational. That's because of, you know, what you saw or what you experienced um, that I tend to draw inward because I'm like, he just, you don't he get, won't it. get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could benefit from just giving each other a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, cause on the flip, there's times where I want to like, in for lack of a better way to describe it, hold hands and skip through the daisies. Right. <laughs> like oh, everything's just perfect. La 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 la. Um, but I assume that I won't get that from you. Mm-hmm. So I don't try. Mm-hmm. I just say, oh, she that's just, she don't have that in her. Mm-hmm. When there might be a day you surprise me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, um, man, I saw this Instagram reel that blessed me so much. It was this white preacher and he was talking about marriages, but he talked about a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the best marriages come when two people come into the marriage every day with a servant's heart, right? Like I am going to serve my spouse the best way I can. Mm-hmm. Understanding that what she needs, I don't need, mm-hmm. right? She needs hugs, kisses, and all this. I don't need that, but she does. So because I have a servant's heart, I'm going to give her what she needs mm-hmm. and vice versa. I need respect. I need um, affirmation. She don't need that, but I need that. So she's going to do her best to give me what I need. And when it seems simplistic, but that at the core, at the foundation leads to the best marriages. And it made so much sense mm-hmm. to me. And I feel like it's all the other stuff that makes it complicated. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I can honestly say that. That is for us like foundational, right? Absolutely. I think that's something that whether somebody had to tell us or we just inherently felt it that we do, we know that we have to love each other in ways that are unnatural to just who we are. Yeah. And that is because we are living a life in service to one another. So yeah. I'm going to do whatever you need me to do and you're going to do whatever I need you to do. The problem is, Trauma, experiences, emotions, all those things sometimes get in the way of that. So doing that, but fighting the fact that like if I don't do it or if I miss a day, he might leave. If, you know, I don't hug him as soon as he comes in, he's going to be mad and he's not going to speak to me for the rest of the day. You know, those. That's what I that's what I fight. Yeah. Like, I think the internal messages versus what I'm actually receiving right in front of me yeah, and trying to balance that and flip that and be like, I don't care what I've been through. That's not what I'm dealing with right now. But when I am feeling that feeling like I can't express that because you don't get it or you don't understand it. Yeah. That's the, that's the block for me. And that's why I asked the question, like, cause I want to know, is this struggle a two way struggle or is it just something that I'm dealing with? So it is refreshing to hear that, you know, while I don't want you to have to work through my trauma, that you're willing to do that. Because it's something that right, wrong, or indifferent is now a part of me. And I we can use that like scripture with the enemy meant for evil. God is turning around for my good because I recognize now I can have conversations with women to say, I know I get that. I feel that I've been that, but there's somebody that will love you anyways. Yeah. Um, and I would not have that testimony and I would not be able to give hope to other people had I not been through those things. I wouldn't even know how to love you correctly if I haven't been through those things, mm. but those things are still a part of who I am now. For sure. And they show up when I don't want them to show up. Yeah. And it can be really difficult. Yeah. But truth of the matter is, is like, even if, and because the reality is, I don't know what you've been through. Mm -hmm. I can't say I've experienced what you've experienced. Mm -hmm. But 
I can say emphatically, without a shadow of a doubt, that I am committed and invested in just being the best husband to you. Mm -hmm. So even when I don't understand, right, like if you tell me what you need, I'm going to do my best to do that. You know what I mean? Yes, I see that. So I feel like there's this, we keep speaking about this tension, right? Um, And I wish I had all the answers, but (laughs) (laughs) I will say one thing that I think would just benefit everybody is exactly what I got from that clip is just being in service to your spouse, right? Like you might not understand, but if they need it, you're in service. Mm -hmm. As long as it doesn't conflict with your um, values, your morals, your respect, your faith, if they need it, you meet them at their point of need. You know what I mean? As being in service to your spouse, right? So if they need space, you give them that. If they need conversation, you give them that. If they need a touch just to establish a reconnection, like you give them that because ultimately your love for them is going to sound crazy. I'm trying to figure out explaining in a way that like I don't sound crazy, but it has nothing to do with you. No, that's facts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My love to you is about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But for too many people, the love that we give to other people is so wrapped up in what I need from you. Mm-hmm. It's conditional, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, I'm doing this for you because I want this from you. It's it's the actual basis between why we had that conversation where I'm like, when you tell me you love me, I don't feel like I'm obligated to tell you back. That's what I was trying to communicate yeah. to you. It's like, you're telling me you love me feels like if I'm running to you running to be like, okay, I love you too. You only told me that because you wanted me to say it back to you. If you love me, tell me you love me and don't expect it in return. Yeah, that's I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you, and I get that. But to me, I just can't wrap my mind around you telling me you love me, and I'm just like, okay. No, but I mean, it's not even like that. But if you came up to me and just wrapped your arms around me, I'm cooking in the kitchen or whatever. You come and wrap your arms around me, hug me tight, and just be like, I love you. To yeah. me, I'm sitting in that moment, and I'm enjoying the fact that you sought me out. To express that to me. Yeah. If I don't say it back to you, it's not because I don't. Yeah, there's a moment where that works. Right. <laughs> Every a, time you say it, you want me to say it back to you. Just be honest. No, 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 no. <laughs> like when you picture when you said it like that, I was like, oh yeah. Because I can picture you going <sighs> taking a deep sigh and we just in the moment. I probably wouldn't need to hear it back. But if we're on the phone, <laughs> I'm like, all right, babe, I see you later. Love you. That's a cordiality at that point. That's what I mean. So like (laughs) it's levels to the I love you, right? There's the I'm saying I love you because I legitimately just want you to know I love you. That one, I don't need it back. Mm -hmm. But then there's the just, hey, babe, we're out in the world. We're doing stuff. Hey, look, I love you. All right. You want some chicken? (laughs) Hey, you hear what I said? (laughs) And that's what you do. You ain't hear me? I said I love you. (laughs) If you meant it, you don't need to hear it back. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear it back. (laughs) Okay. See everything you just said, he just erased it. No, nah, you try to apply that Serve to that. me. <laughs> yeah, I take it all back. I take it all back. Negate everything I just said. He want to hear it back. I'm dead. All right, y'all. Listen, I think, um, and this is for everybody: singles, married people, um, people who don't want to be married, people who are looking forward to being married. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to marginalize our audience and split our audience, but I do want to take a second and talk specifically uh, to my skin folk, (laughs) Uh, black people, African-American people. Um, This applies to everybody, but specifically to us, there's some work that we really have to do. There's uh, a lot of heavy lifting that's ahead of us. Because of where our people come from and what our people have experienced. Um, Nothing that we've done ourselves, but 
things that have been done to us and things that we're trying to grow and work our way through. We have to put an exaggerated effort to overcome the residue and the trauma of a family unit that has been attacked and decimated over generations, right? That begins with what I believe starts with, number one, a love for God, and two, a love for one another. And I know that sounds really like plain, but when you have an understanding, a real factual foundational understanding of what love really is, the more you understand that, the more you understand the depth of that statement. Love God, and from your love of God, love one another, right? And when that leads into a relationship with a man of God and a woman of God, it is life-changing. It cuts through all the other stuff that doesn't really matter. I know at the time, like, some situations are heavy, and I don't want to negate those because some things can't be worked through. But there are things that are splitting families apart that really can be worked through. There are things that split families apart that could be solved with a conversation and maybe multiple conversations, maybe conversations with a third party. But we have to do the work. And I think at, at a base level, you know, I didn't grow up with a huge understanding of what it means to be black in America. Black culture. My mom didn't even let me watch Roots. Like it was very that happened before us so it doesn't exist and what i've learned in my adult life is it happened before us but it still affects us absolutely and whether it's factored into now the dna of our people or if it's just so ingrained in the history and the repetitiveness of relationships. First, we were separated by slavery, then we were separated by drugs, then we were separated by mass incarceration. And now we, this generation, really is the first generation to start putting that back together. And the pieces are cracked, the pieces are frayed, they don't really fit together the way other puzzle pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we quit because it's hard. What I've learned is that things have happened before us, but they don't have to continue to happen after us. And as soon as you have a realization of the fact that if you start to do things differently, things will then begin to be done differently. Sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see. And we are trying to do that. We took a moment to express some of the traumas, some of the um, facades and <laughs> beliefs that we had growing up and then really getting into relationships and fit, realizing what worked and what didn't work. Um, but we're trying, right? We're trying to do something different than what we've seen and what's happened and occurred before us. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are scared to get into relationship because of what they've seen. It doesn't have to be your story. And there is hope in love and there is hope for our people and our family structure. And if you've never had the opportunity to see a functional family work, it presents you with a great opportunity to create one. Absolutely. And I know we took a little bit of time there to talk a little selfishly to uh, black family units in America. But uh, we're aware that our audience spans across different cultures, different countries, St. Lucia, the UK, Uganda, Germany. Listen, love is difficult everywhere. 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 The the divorce numbers are high everywhere, right? Um, So, yes, we're talking about a specific group, but this applies to everybody because everybody has to have the difficult conversation. Everybody has to work through preconceived notions, uncommunicated expectations, uh, family trauma, fam- uh, family of origin or origin of, fa- what is it? Family of origin. Family of origin stuff. We all have to work through that. So this is applicable to everybody. Um, this community community was built on one thing, doing the work. 
doing the work and not letting our past define our futures. So listen, I hope there was something uh, in this conversation. We really hope that there was something said in this conversation that you found valuable, that is applicable. Um, Cause I believe it is. And I believe it's so necessary. So um, y'all are dope as always. Uh, we will be live tomorrow. Wednesday back on our regular scheduled time 8 30 p.m eastern standard time uh if you don't live in eastern standard time in the united states of america hit google real quick and see what time it translates to your time zone and see if you can join us we'll be live on our facebook group what they never told us we'll also be live on our youtube group uh, what they never told us and Instagram, Instagram, uh, the quality and you don't get all the cool sound effects via IG, but it's always, uh, always a blast kicking it with the community. So wherever you know us, come kick it with us, Mike. Absolutely. All right. And if you want to support the show, you can hit our cash app up. We are dollar sign what they never told us. You can also support us by um, engaging and interacting with us on Facebook Um, and just by sharing, liking whatever you do on whatever platform you love to watch us. Uh, We appreciate all of that. And always remember, we love love. Y'all should love love, too. Peace. Peace.